Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 21 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and we'd love it if you threw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Well, we've survived our first week of summer without UCF games of any kind, and hopefully we can get used to it a little bit, because after this weekend with the track and field NCAA championships, we're going to have uh, a few months without it. So um, we survived week one, we'll keep getting through it, and we're sitting here actually recording this on UCF's 58th birthday. So congratulations. Wait, you don't congratulate me on my birthday. Congratulations. Happy birthday. birthday. Congratulations on being born as a university. Um, And for this episode, we're actually joined by a very special guest, and it's kind of fitting that we're going to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane. I'm actually going to throw it to Christian for the introduction, since he knows our guest decently well and a little bit better than I do. Only a little bit better than I do. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's kind of (laughs) neck and neck. Um, For those of you who do not know, I went to UCF. I feel like you probably would have been uh, listening to the podcast at this point. And uh, a big part of the reason I am a knight is because my father, Roger Simmons, was a knight before me. And so I'm a second-generation knight. So we're bringing in this week to talk some UCF history and my dad's experiences at UCF way back in the day. Please welcome my father, Roger Simmons, to the podcast. So I'm here to talk about the ancient times. <laughs> the ancient times. I was wondering if you were going to make an old joke. I was, I was going to refrain from doing that since he's not my dad. Well, but. it's funny because, and I feel like we'll talk about this a little bit later, but today the news broke that the college football playoff committee went public with a plan for a 12-team playoff. Which is Who talked about crazy. that a few weeks ago? I don't know. Maybe the Pegasus podcast. <laughs> um, go listen to the episode where we break down everything it means for UCF. But I thought it was interesting just to really put into perspective how old my dad is. That <laughs> wait, when, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> when you were at, were at UCF, not only was there not a 12-team playoff, there wasn't even a national championship game. And we liked it. We thought that was the way it was supposed to be. You just played games and... The Associated Press or UPI declared a champion at the end of the season, and we just thought that's how college football was supposed to be. Yeah, things were better when the UPI was determining <laughs> who national champions were. Oh, I long for those days. <laughs> but yeah, we're uh, we're going to talk some UCF history, and I don't know. I, I always struggle with what to. I'm 23 years old. I struggle with what to call my friends' parents. Like I don't know if I call him. Uh, I'm not going to call him Dad. Call him Roger. <laughs> call him Mr. Simmons. <laughs> Call him Mr. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So Anything but dad. <laughs> yeah, I guess fine. anything but dad. Well, and don't call me Mr. Rogers. So. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> so Roger is going to share some of uh, his, his favorite UCF stories from, from back in the day. And, um, you know, I think we're just going to have this as a conversation. He's got yeah. some stories he wants to tell. And we're going to go all the way back for uh, the first one. You want to talk tell us about your first UCF game? I want to ask him really quickly before that, because I realize you don't know the answer. When did you go to UCF? What <laughs> <laughs> were the years you were there? I guess that would I help. started at UCF in... 1982. 1982. The fall of 1982. Were they, were they, they were Division Two. It was their first season of Division Two. Okay. All right. And they, um, so kind of a back up to this. So I, I'm a native Floridian, lived here most of my life. For some reason, I still don't quite understand. My family decided to move to Idaho when I was in seventh grade. As we, you do. And <laughs> as most families do. Uh, and we lived in Boise. And that we were there in Boise as the Boise State Broncos became a, a very uh, uh, successful Division I AA team. And in 1980, they won the Division I AA championship. And it was great. This was, and this was pre-Blue Turf. This was just a, they were just a small school. Uh, and I was a big fan of the Boise State Broncos. And then I came to UCF. And I'm all excited about going to my first UCF football game after having been to some Boise State games out there and everything. And I show up at the, the Citrus Bowl at that point, which was Pretty large stadium, larger than Bronco Stadium at that point. And I think there were maybe 7,000 people. <laughs> a and nice, I, hearty crowd. And, it was, and I'm like, 
well, this is a little different. And I looked down the marching band, and, and please, marching band people, don't hate me for this, but it looked like we had 25 people in the marching band, maybe, at that point. And I'm thinking, this Orlando is such a, a bigger market than Boise at that point. And I'm like, why is this, you know, it just seems so much smaller and everything. And then the, the team came out, and we were playing Southeast Louisiana, I think was the team we were playing, or Southwest Louisiana, somebody like that. One of those Louisiana. One of those Louisiana. <laughs> I've never heard of until right now. <laughs> but it literally was a team I had never heard of and everything. And they got trounced. And that was the start of a winless season for UCF, my sophomore year, which, if you'll your recall, freshman year my freshman year, okay. excuse me, yeah. my freshman year, which your freshman year at UCF, they went winless as well. So you're saying it's our fault. There's a Simmons curse, and so I just want to <laughs> say right now, if you have a son, UCF fans need to take up a collection and have that son go to USF <laughs> for his freshman for year. For his first yeah, year. And then send it to him, and then he'll come back. Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Why not? The yeah. transfer portal will be, my son, of course, will be an athlete. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, that makes but it was, sense. So that, that winless season in Division Two, they hired Sammy Weir was a uh, coach. I think he was with one of the local high schools up in Seminole County. I can't remember which one. He replaced Don Jonas, who was the first coach. And they thought in Division Two we need a, a, a more of a big time coach. He had had success in high school. Came over. Unfortunately, they just awful. They were zero and ten. And so the next season they hired Lou Saban. And this would be the equivalent of UCF hiring George O'Leary. He was a very well known person. He had helped resurrect football at the University of Miami. Um, had been in the NFL, was a big-name coach. People were like, oh, my God, UCF's got this big-name coach. He's going to come in. Yeah, he was an NFL head coach like a few years before right. he was yes. now in Division II. Right, so it was yeah. a big deal he was coming to UCF. So um, one of my favorite stories about, about Saban is even though he was there, and this was such – he was so out of his element in this <laughs> because UCF was very small time at this point. Um, and later on we would find out he – would spend like he was at a Division One school, and UCF ended up a million dollars in debt just like that, um, and almost killed the program. But because it was a small-time school, we at the uh, the student newspaper there, the future, had a lot of access. We could go to practices. We could get on the phone and call the athletic department, and he would pick up and talk to us, <laughs> you know, which was kind of fun. I should try that with Gus Malzahn yeah. this week. Yeah. Let's because just that was, call see how many podcast. people it takes to get you put through to him. And yeah, it's like the set yeah. six degrees yeah. of Kevin Bacon. It's like, how many? One of the best April Fool's pranks I played was that uh, one of my best friends, Lee Lerner, who was the sports editor of the future for our April Fool's edition, he wrote some story that Saban was leaving UCF and then changed his mind and came back, and then made, changed his mind again and left and came, you know, one of the, just a one of the story. Things, yeah. But I put a note on his desk saying, Coach Saban called, wants to talk to you about the story in today. <laughs> and so he came in, looked at the, the note, um, and it was also our payday. So the first thing he did is he went and cashed his check, because you would actually get a <laughs> check, because he thought, oh, I'm in so much trouble, the coach is really mad. So he calls Coach Saban, who answers the phone. He's like, uh, Coach, I hear you wanted to talk to me about the story in today's paper. And he's like, nah, 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 someone must be playing a joke on you or something. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. all relieved. Yeah, I can just imagine Josh Heupel saying the same thing. So. Yeah. But my, the, my favorite UCF story, and it's one that um, a group of us who all grew up around UCF football tell, and I don't even know if this is true, but we've told it so many times. <laughs> it seems like a great story that – that uh, Lee and then another good friend of mine, Mike Griffin, they were out at UCF practice, one of the first ones. And, and Saban's out there getting the players lined up, and 
they run this play. And Saban just gets mad. And he's throwing down his clipboard and he's just screaming at the players. What the hell was that? I said run 57, which was the name of the play. You know, what do you guys think you're doing? He just goes on this tirade for five minutes just screaming and yelling at the players. And this assistant comes up to him and goes, Coach, that was 57. <laughs> and Saban goes, supposedly, he said, oh, it must be the sun or something. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, that, that pesky sun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine how UCF wasn't successful during his uh, tenure. I really can't put that but on the But he, he was there for a year and a half. They did win. They won some games. I think they were five and six or six and five that season. Um, and then the next season did not start off very well. He was gone mid-season by that point and left them in debt and almost ruined the UCF football program completely. I remember reading, first off, what a time to be there. As the program <laughs> was almost falling apart. But I know because Gene McDowell came in next, who exactly. was UCF legend. And he, he came from Florida State, and he took the job as athletic director and football coach because they didn't have enough money to pay two people for that. <laughs> Man. It almost reminds me, that story just kind of makes me think of like, it would probably be the equivalent of like Josh Heupel watching the defense or like do something under Randy, Randy Shannon, having no idea what the defense is doing because as we all know at this point, he didn't have a hand in the defense at all. And then just getting mad at the defense for just because he just because he doesn't know anything. That's what that's the like hypothetical that story I put in my Josh Heupel being like, yeah, good job, Navell Clark, and the coach is like, that was Patchesinski. <laughs> like, I feel like that was Heupel's level of connection <laughs> with the defensive side of yeah. the ball, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I and I remember reading a lot of the time about how well not the time I wasn't alive reading a lot about the time when Gene McDowell came in and all the money making things they had to try to do to get the program out of debt because it was literally a debt store. It was and so fun fact for UCF trivia: um, there would not be a UCF football program today without OJ Simpson. I don't know if that's a fun fact. <laughs> well, it's a fact. certainly a fact. But basically, because of. Um, Saban had a connection to OJ because they were at the Buffalo Bills, um, and I guess he still felt bad about putting him in debt. They had this big auction they did for a couple of years called OJ's Gate Crashers, oh, which wow. I don't know where the name came up with. Or, you know, I don't know if I want to know. If the name fits, you must bid or something. But uh, oh boy, they but they would auction off like you know big expensive extravagant trips or or you know uh, memorabilia and stuff, and that literally kept UCF afloat. That's until crazy. they could start building up their fan base and and start earning enough revenue to support the football program. You think they'll, have, they'll ever have him back? <laughs> you know, I'm, not so sure about that one. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll see OJ Simpson in the bounce <laughs> no. house anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe not. I, it's funny when you talk about some stuff like that. You know, like the crowds of twelve thousand, whatever program, especially. And I know things got a little better, right? I think you were you were three years at UCF, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, four. Yeah, four. Yeah, right. Right. And after that point, things got a little better. But, I mean, was there any indication to you or fans then of, like, this team will even be FBS one day, let alone a top 25 team? No, but what was funny is that that was the stuff we would, we were your age. So we're, Mm -hmm. you know, in our 20s. And that's the stuff we'd be sitting at the games, drinking or tailgating and talking about, can you imagine the day that UCF gets ranked? Or maybe the day we're in our first bowl game. Imagine we're get to go watch UCF play on New Year's Day, and these, you know, we talk about these things, but I don't really think any of us believe them. You know, <laughs> the key was, there was that you were drinking at the time. Well, true, <laughs> I think so. But it's but it was one of those things, and that's why I think that for an older generation of UCF fans, this era means so much. This is this is something we literally dreamed about and weren't sure it would ever happen, and to see UCF come this far and actually play in New Year's Day games. 
be ranked, win conference championships, you know, now have, a, depending on what the college football playoff does, have an opportunity to be in a playoff to play yeah. for a national championship is just, it's mind-blowing considering when sitting back in the citrus <laughs> or the tangerine bowl with 7,000 people watching UCF get clobbered by this team you've never heard of. <laughs> I would I would love to like uh, let's do let's somehow do a story let's recap all the seven thousand people who were there that day. <laughs> I was gonna go get like and, get uh, stories. From so I'm sorry. What year was that again? That was eighty two. That was eighty two. So they averaged for that season their home games they averaged six thousand nine hundred seventy nine people a game. Right. So well for, they were losing every yeah. game. So it was kind of <laughs> that, there you go. And so the other thing was Bethune Cookman was UCF's big rival back then, uh, and it took forever. Bethune Cookman would always beat UCF, always beat UCF. But I still remember this day. I think it was '84. I don't. I think that was the date. I remember I wasn't at the game or anything, but someone came up and, and they were like, "Oh my God, UCF beat Bethune Cookman!" And I'm like, "You're crazy, no way!" <laughs> and it was. But that's the level that UCF was at, where it was like we aspired to be better than Bethune Cookman, which is now a bye game on UCF schedule. I kind of want to like clip that part where they just said it. They're like, "Oh my gosh, we beat Bethune Cookman! No way!" And then just like when it happens this fall, just put it on the <laughs> just the clip. Just the clip. We're gonna do that now. <laughs> yeah. And you um you went on. I mean Georgia Southern was a rival too so, at that point. It was a Sun Belt team now, yes. but was also so, a low team. Uh, at least back then, it seemed like the teams UCF played the most. We played Bethune Cookman every year, and I think we played Georgia Southern every year. Mm-hmm. And Georgia Southern was a uh, they were a very uh, successful team, uh, and they were playing. I think they were in the playoffs at the time too. They had Irk Irk Russell or Eric Russell. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, they were in Statesboro, Georgia, and they were known for running the ball. And as so, you were in the eighties. As you were. In the, <laughs> well, no, but at this one point, so at, at UCF in 1987, we decided to go to a, a, my group of friends. We had all been going to UCF games. We decided we were going to go to this road game in Statesboro, Georgia, which I don't even know where Statesboro was at that time. We stayed in Savannah because I don't even think you could get a hotel in Statesboro, Georgia. Um, <laughs> And we went to this game, and it was an, an incredible game. Uh, we get there, and I think the six or seven of us were the only UCF fans in this entire group that I could oh see anywhere. And we remember sitting there and thinking, you know, oh, I'm getting a little nervous uh, in the middle of Georgia <laughs> with all these people who you know, are kind of looking at us like, who the hell are these people? And this guy comes in and goes, hey, who's for UCF? And we all go, yeah, and he goes, you're going to get your asses beat today. <laughs> And we're like, oh, oh so man. so it was a fantastic game. UCF uh, played really well. I think Darren Slack was the quarterback and had a huge day passing the ball. And UCF was behind by two points uh, with about two minutes left in the game, had stopped Georgia Southern. UCF got the ball back and they were already in field goal range. All right. So for some reason, uh, Gene McDowell decided he wanted to throw the ball, to keep throwing the ball. That is a big George O'Leary known as. <laughs> and the first pass was on that series was intercepted. Oh, and UCF lost 34-32. So not only is it bad enough that we got all excited because we're thinking we're going to win the game, we're going to rub it in the noses of all these fans who have been <laughs> throwing things at us during the game, you know, whenever UCF would do something. Because UCF fell behind a lot and then came back to, mm-hmm. to get close, and we thought they were going to win the game. Somehow, and I don't... I still don't understand the logistics of this. Everyone's leaving the, the game, the stadium. Um, and I guess it must be, the stadium must not have been close to the athletics field or something like that. 
But in this traffic jam, we're in our car and we get stuck next to the Georgia Southern team bus for 30 minutes. Oh my. And their players are just looking down at us because we're wearing what little UCF gear you could buy at that time. <laughs> You know, and I think we probably had UCF flags on the car or something, or, you know, they shoe polish and painted UCF or something <laughs> on the windshield. And we're sitting there, and I remember this guy just looking down at me and just shaking his head, this player from Georgia Southern. Just and like these like, poor guys. What can you do? So, so you flipped them off? Or you no. Know. <laughs> we, we were outnumbered, so no, we did not do that. <laughs> we, we took our uh, loss very well and said, someday we will, we will beat you. And UCF has never beaten Georgia Southern. Which, to be fair, if UCF were to play Georgia Southern at some point. You would, but we've always talked about that if we, we wanted UCF to schedule Georgia, Georgia Southern for homecoming once UCF, you know, right. we got to the point where right. like, well, we could beat them just to get that. Just to have but, that. But seeing how we've done against Tulsa, maybe we don't want to schedule Georgia Southern. <laughs> no, 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 so. about that, yeah. That would be, I mean, listen, we've talked about Terry Mahoney's looking for games right now. Go throw <laughs> a Georgia, Georgia Southern, Southern series in there. Why not? It's Fans can travel to... Wherever in Georgia. Georgia. Oh, yeah, there you go. We won't do any worse than Florida did against them a couple of years ago. I forgot about that. that. I, I never. I will never forget about that. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think Florida fans may have tried to. <laughs> that's, what, that's what ended Jim McElwain's season, wasn't oh it? God. That's was like the loss I, to. Uh, if, oh, was that Muschamp or was that McElwain? I can't remember. At I can't remember. It's hard to keep track yeah. of, of all the times Florida's been bad. Which coach it was? <laughs> I, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> I just wanted to like. Think about like that road trip experience. I know you said you're going to Louisville and Navy this fall. That is right. Since, I just, but since I last said on a podcast, I'm now also going to the Navy game. I can Navy. imagine you're going to have a little bit different of an experience than. I would hope at Navy for sure, because <laughs> I feel like Navy has some very classy fans. Yeah. <laughs> Navy has the. I will say because so this group that I grew up with, mm-hmm. and we we're all still friends. We still every year pick a road game to go to. Uh, and, and these we, are the same friends that you talk about. He has the same friends from mm-hmm. all this time, which also makes it so much special, too, that right. we're able to enjoy this time because we've all been through this with UCF and our love of UCF football. Um, we went to the Navy game in... Uh, 17. Thank you. I'm trying to remember the year. Um, <laughs> Bonus points. What was their uniform combo? Uh, pewter, pewter, pewter. Oh, you were so close. It was Peter, Peter Black. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> With um, decal. But I will say right. it was Navy's homecoming. It was it was really cool. They had all these beat UCF signs. You were up. Navy's homecoming. Yes, we were Navy's homecoming. That was on the Naval Academy campus, which is just an incredible place to tour. But they had all these signs up, beat UCF, and everything. It was kind of cool. Um, and we're walking around before the game, and the Navy fans were the coolest people in the world. And they were they were walking around and saying, hey, "Are you guys from UCF?" We're like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh, come on, have a drink with us. Come over here and everything." And they. We just I, I can't say enough about that and just the, the, the fans and I you know just we grew to all of us grew to just love that program and the, the players what they do uh, there and so whenever they're here we like try and be as nice to the fans as possible yeah. too and I'm really looking forward to going back. I remember you talked about because obviously Navy fans are a whole different kind of I mean that football program means a lot to even people outside of just general sports fans. Right. I mean it's you know everyone who has a connection to the Navy. Right. I remember you even said at the game that there was some like older guy. And he's looking at UCF, he's like, UCF? And he's like, is this is this a conference team? Is this team in our conference? Yeah, he did, they didn't know who it was. And that, that same guy, it's funny because um, you'll know because I, I can't remember this at this point. There was uh, uh, somebody made this huge tackle that cost the, the Yeah, Bam Moore. Bam Moore, Bam Moore yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So when that came out, that guy who had been cheering for, for Navy, and I, it was getting a little annoyed that 
Not much, but a little right. boy, because we were kind of cheering for UCF. He just turned around and goes, my God, what a hit. That was. <laughs> and, he was just, and he became impressed with UCF at that point. But, but that's the kind of fans they are. So it's like, I much preferred that fan experience than the one at Georgia Southern. I would say I so. I can see why. I, think. I will say, I'm, so I'm also going, so I'm going to the Indy game with you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also planning to go to the Louisville game with two of Bailey and I's good friends, Evan and Zach. And the last UCF sporting event I went to of Zach was the UCF Duke game, and he managed to start a fight with UCF fans. So we'll see what he does with Louisville fans. I'm a little more worried about that one. I would avoid that. I'll just, I'm just going to put Evan can sit in the middle. I'll sit on the far side from Zach. So whatever happens over there, I yeah. can just use Evan as like a human shield. Sit as close as you can to the aisle. I don't know if you have aisle seats, but like just if something starts happening, just quick escape. I'm just going to wear a beard. I'll just wear a black shirt because I'll be like, Louisville has black tea. You never know. You know, I'm just remembering that, that so I didn't go to this, but there was my group of friends uh, went to a UCF Miami game uh, down in Miami and one of our friends did get in fight with another UCF fan. So, I don't know I guess how there's happens. one in every yeah, group. I, I've watched it happen with, it, with it, it, if you know Zach, you know that he can start a fight with literally anybody over anything. <laughs> so I guess there's just some people who are like that. But yeah, I know we're just I'm just going over things that we want to talk about with you. I know another one this, this next thing we wanted to talk about is like a really really big moment in UCF history and I don't know if it's even like really referenced or known among the current fan base that's the noise penalty game against Troy State. That was the the craziest game uh, and one we remember vividly because the year before Troy State had I believe knocked they defeated us in the playoffs. The Which Troy State was like a power. At yes, level right. At the time. And so they were coming back the next year. Um, Troy State was ranked number one in the one AA rankings, and UCF was number three. And they were hoping to break the crowd record for this game because it was big. UCF's doing well. Troy State is doing well. Yeah, UCF was ranked number three at the time. Right. The and the thought was, if UCF beats Troy State, UCF would be number one. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, we'll be number one in Division One AA. Or this Crazy. was Division Two, I think, right? Was it division? Yeah, it was division, yeah, division two. two. You're right. So, yeah, exactly. We weren't in division one yet. One to lay in. Um, so, I think the previous record was like twenty three thousand people for a game, and they had thirty one thousand people come out for this game, and it was crazy. Like I said, I'm used to seeing, I've seen the crowds grow, but go from a seven thousand to. 31, 32, whatever, was just amazing. Also, that's a good crowd for like a lot of group of five teams today. And that's a oh, Division yeah. II team. Like exactly. That's whole levels down. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Deal. And I remember, so we're sitting there, and we're Troy has the ball, Troy State has the ball, and we start being loud, as you're supposed to do a football game. And the Troy State quarterback backs up. And we're like, what's going on? And the ref comes over and talks to him. And then they came over and they stopped the game and they asked the UCF coaches to tell the crowd to quiet down. Because in this era, which is so crazy to think about now, they would penalize you if you were too loud and the quarterback couldn't hear the snaps. This happened seven times during that game. All right, And every time the crowd just got louder and louder because it's like, oh my God, we're having an impact on this game. And it just emboldened everyone to be even louder. And... I think they did finally penalize UCF. They took a timeout away from UCF because the crowd was so loud. And the, so here's the sad part. UCF wins the game. The crowd is so excited. The poll comes out the next day, um, and UCF is not number one. And the problem was that in the Division II polling, there was a mistake made the week before. North Dakota State, somehow, UCF got moved ahead of North Dakota State. And there was a rule in Division Two 
that you could not have teams jump other teams if they both won. You couldn't do the like this was a, I know it, it was a simpler time back then. Remember this. So and it was like the athletic directors were the ones that voted in this poll. And they realized they screwed up. So they made North Dakota State number one and put UCF at number two. And the whole thing was that they're sorry we screwed up, but we need to fix the mistake we made last week. <laughs> when we let UCF jump North Dakota State. So UCF was denied the chance to be the number one team in the nation. But that particular game, with, and this is, again, close to the era when UCF was still kind of iffy with that, that huge crowd brought in like $250,000 in revenue for UCF. I read, I read a, an Orlando Sentinel story from the time that it was about how that game wiped out their debt. Yeah. It literally was, it that was single huge. game. It was huge. And I... It, it's funny to think about because that game was 1988 and we're talking about a UCF crowd being so loud that the other team's quarterback can't function. That's just two months off from 30 years, exactly 30 years before the UCF-Cincinnati game day game where that's still happening. I mean, that's crazy. That is crazy. And you look at the crowds the rest of the year. After that game, they got 31,000. The rest of the way, they had 21,000, 22,000, 22,000, and 28,000. I mean, that was like the start of like, okay, this is a fan base now. This is in the 80s, in Division Two, and they're getting almost 30,000. Right, and it, that's when it started growing. I mean, when, when I was at UCF, I think the uh, enrollment was maybe 10,000. So right. not that off from what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows how, you know, it, you have to grow that alumni base and get people interested in it. The, you know, UCF, back when I started going, um, their UCF's uh, marketing campaign was Gator fans, come be a Knights fan too. Seminole fans, come be a UCF fan too. And they, they would come up with all these weird gimmicks. T.G. Lee was trying to get UCF fans, so they gave all the fans cowbells to oh, the Oh, no. So they were even trying to come up with, you know, they were trying to rip off other schools, you know, things they do and stuff. So. That's hilarious. I can't get over... You not you can't jump a team if they want. I can't get over that. Where would UCF have finished in twenty seventeen if that was the case? Like twenty third. But I wondered. Suppose North Dakota State never got to be number one. Would that have started the whole North Dakota? Who knows? Because you know? they're they're a freaking FCS dynasty. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it, people are, are bringing up the whole the, the college football playoff coming out today and saying they're thinking about going to twelve and like a lot of people hate change in college football. Just that's a change. Just think about that. You know, you couldn't jump a team if they had won. I, I think we can deal with some change going forward. <laughs> I just love how many times would it be like late in the season? It's like, wow, Ohio State just took down Mid or Penn State, big late season game, and then it's like, yeah, but Alabama had no trouble with Wagner. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> or even Alabama didn't have trouble with Wagner. Alabama wins like fourteen to seven for some reason. They still can't get jumped because. They or that one year that Alabama struggled with Citadel. Yeah. But the other thing is we. We thought that that was the right thing to do because you did not like the fact that it was very subjective in these other polls. It's like, if you win, you should move up. It doesn't matter. You know? We're okay with some subjectivity. It's just when it gets to the point that it's like, sorry, I defeated UCF. 7-4 Mississippi State looked really good this week. Um, it's so funny, though, because like I really think that you're in a super, super unique spot. Like I wonder how many UCF fans there are that have been to games from Division Two to now, I mean, you just missed Division Three by a well, year. All, all of my friends, I still tell. Yeah, I know. It's just because I mean, we talked to even like UCF fans like that I know, even older than my age group. A lot of them, even you see it on Twitter. It's like when it's just crazy how much they keep growing. It's like when did you become a fan? It's like 2007 or 2010. You don't really see much before that, which is just kind of crazy to me. But about a decade before that, there was this quarterback <laughs> that I know we want to talk about. Um, his name was Dante Culpepper. Yep. 
I've heard he was pretty good. There's like no footage of him anywhere, so we can't really tell. Tell us a little about Dante. Cole so I, I wanted, I went back because I wanted to remember this. I went to uh, uh, myself, your mom, my wife, and her dad, your grandfather. I convinced them to come to Dante Culpepper's first My game. grandfather went to a UCF game? Yes, he did. I did not know that. Uh, he was down visiting us, and so he went to the game, and um, they played Eastern Kentucky. It was the start of the season. And I think Eastern Kentucky may have been ranked somehow. And this was in, I still don't quite understand. It was the weird, uh, what they called uh, the the... I can't even think of the word now. What is it? When you're going from one division to another. Transition. Transition year. So it was a weird year for UCF. They were going from one double A to division one, but they weren't allowed to really. So even if they had a great year, they couldn't compete for anything. It was right. kind of a weird sort right. of thing. But And it was Eastern Kentucky was number five. Culpepper was just incredible. As soon as he went out on the field and you could see how he could just zip the ball. Uh, and big. People couldn't stop him. That's the whole thing, is his size. He was so big for a a player on UCF or on that field at that point. Even that very first game as a freshman, you just looked at him and went, wow. And I I went back because I wanted to see more about this game, and Jerry Green, the great Sentinel sports writer, Mm -hmm. covered that game. And his lead for that game was, a season did not begin, an era did. Wow. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) Talk about somebody who was spot on (laughs) for what Culpepper meant to that program. Wow. And the, my other funny cult, well, that's not a funny story, but the funny Culpepper story <laughs> I have is that, so I worked at the Orlando Sentinel, um, and every year we would do a, a football preview, and we tried to do something a little creative and have a theme for our things. So for some reason, I think it was 98, we were doing books or something, and, and we were coming up with like a different book title to kind of talk about each team. But I think our sports editor at that time was just in, just thought it was so great that UCF was the Golden Knights at that point, and just decided that even though we were doing this book theme, we needed to have Dante Culpepper come in, and we were hiring a makeup artist that was going to paint him gold. Oh, no. And <laughs> for some reason, UCF and Dante Culpepper agreed to this. <laughs> and I remember walking into, we had a, a studio, photo studio across the street, walking in there, and here's Dante Culpepper wearing a towel with all this gold, paint all over him and he just kind of looks at me and I'm like you know really thank you for doing this he was thinking why did I ever agree to do this and so he had all this gold they finally got it done took all the photos and I remember him just trying to get all this gold paint off him this makeup just took forever and I'm thinking this guy is never going to talk to us ever again but he was just he was incredible really nice guy had a fantastic upbringing, and that was what really put UCF on the map because people thought, wow, this, and he was highly sought after by a lot of schools, the Gators, everybody wanted him, but UCF had created a relationship with him when he was at a high school student in Ocala. He had really, didn't have great grades, and they really worked with him and said, what you need to do is get your grades up, and with UCF, we're going to help tutor you, and, and they really helped work so that when he graduated, he could be eligible for the UCF team. Those and pictures have to be in the archive somewhere. Oh, right? he showed them to oh, me before okay. we started. Yeah, well, yeah I will, right. we will I put them on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I need to see those. I kind of now want to also hear that story from his perspective. I yeah, well, like, I do too. As I a college kid. Be like, do you remember the time he got painted gold? <laughs> he's, like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, it scarred me or something like that. Like, But it was also, that's when UCF, the first time they, they had a small marketing campaign for him for Heisman. It was like they, they had these brochures that were called Dante's World instead of Disney World and... 
And, uh, and the other thing I always remember about Dante Culpepper is if I ever saw another headline that said, if you see it wins, they're undaunted. Undaunted. <laughs> that everybody, you know, somebody thought that was so clever that they'd never heard that before. So when you'd go some, some out-of-town news service would come in and they'd use that headline, you're like, yeah, we've done that a million times. It's brilliant. It, he's one of those guys where it's – because I feel like, and Bailey, I'm assuming you'd agree, typically every UCF quarterback debate of who's the greatest quarterback, it's, it's like Bortles or McKenzie Milton. People debate. Right. I feel like Mackenzie Bolton is probably the unanimous choice at this point. I think so. I don't know a lot of people left who would still put Blake ahead yeah. of him, even though there is an argument there. But then whenever I talk to a fan in your age group, Dad, it's like, it, it's Culpepper. Like, everyone is just like, no, it's and Culpepper. It's, it's, it's tough because Culpepper had the size that Milton right. doesn't have. Mm-hmm. I think I think Milton grew into that accuracy and the, the long throws and, and just the incredible determination to win. But Culpepper, just the physical gifts right. he had, just incredible. Especially player. starting out at his first freshman season, it was the you know FCS level, and you've got yeah. this guy who's the equivalent of what it would have been a five-star recruit. Yeah. You know, I it's just yeah, it's crazy. And until Bortles, he was the highest drafted quarterback in UCF history. That's the thing I feel like people discount is like UCF's put two quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL draft. How many group of how many Power Five teams even can say that in like, a, in a twenty-year span basically? Right. Not a lot. I mean, I know there's there's a lot of schools that just struggle to have quarterbacks. You know, even if they're even if they're good in college, a lot of them don't get yeah. drafted in the first round. It's a little bit different now because everybody overdrafts quarterbacks as much as they do. Well, but, it's a different world now. Yeah. Either way, it's still just I mean, yeah, two two first round quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> but you talked a little bit earlier about the Bethune Cookman rivalry, and you have a story here that you want to tell us about the last Bethune Cookman game, and like in the series, not the last one, like 2014. Well. This, it actually, so, I think I had said it was the last, because it's, it's a very, the game has a lot of meaning for me, mm-hmm. but it was actually UCF's last loss to the Bethune. Okay. Okay. Is what it was. So it was, um, let me find it here, I think it was 1989, and it was at the Citrus Bowl, and for some reason it was on a Friday night, I think, and why it's special to me is I had started dating the woman who had become my wife, Christian's mom. And she was living in Fort Lauderdale, and so we trade off going to see each other and stuff. And so I convinced her to, like, hey, uh, UCF's playing football tonight against Bethune-Cookman, this big rival. We used to lose to them all the time, but now we beat them, so let's go. (laughs) And you can meet all my friends are supposed to be there and everything. And so, and this is also before, like, cell phones and stuff, too. So we're like, she's like, great, okay, we'll do that. So it is pouring rain. The game has a one-hour lightning delay to start. Oh, God. And I get mixed up with uh, my friends actually decided not to go to the game. And because you don't have cell phones, it's hard not to you know, communicate that sort of thing. Um, and in the time that I had, the last time I had been at a UCF game, which had been like a couple years or something, they had changed the home side and the visitor side. So I bought tickets, and we're sitting in the middle of the Bethune-Cookman fans. Oh. While it's pouring down rain, we're going to this lightning delay. And, and UCF loses 23-15. And it's just an awful game, awful experience. But she did not complain once. And I said, you know, we can go. We can go. She's, no, no, let's stay and watch the game and everything. And that's when I, like, knew that's somebody I can spend the rest of my life with. And she will story. put up with that. I've never heard that story. Yeah. And so uh, you would not be here, perhaps, if not for <laughs> the Cookman and UCF. Wow, thanks, Bethune Cookman. <laughs> I think that, um, and I like that the evolution of that was then fast forward a decade later, and you took us, which at that point I think I was a year and a half old, to go drive to Gainesville to watch UCF play Florida. 
and it was so bad you made us leave at halftime. <laughs> <That's laughs> <true. laughs> Understandable though. <laughs> well, wow, that's yeah, that's a crazy thing. Like you just might not be here if it wasn't I for. Know. It's <laughs> the little thing. You owe a lot to Bethune Cook. Yeah, but, but that was the one thing. I mean, if she will, if she will put up with all of this, then it's like <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like you know. So I'm like, yeah, she's pretty good. Maybe I should I should try and keep Which her. especially knowing how um not a fan of. She is, she is going to the UCF games through today. That's even more impressive. But she, I mean, that's the whole thing. She is a, she is a gator, which you are well known. Yeah. She will tell her that she's a gator. But she is definitely uh, UCF. I've never seen her cheer harder for UCF. At some of these she games will never too. admit that. She will once the game starts. She is as much a UCF fan as a gator fan. And I love her for that. Well, I think yeah. the fact that, like, when they had the open practices a couple months ago, the fact that she went with you guys yeah. a lot, too. So, I mean, it's true. a lot of credit there. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't just there. I mean, she had all sorts of questions. <laughs> 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 Starting with, why are we here? <laughs> She's like, why is that guy running around out on the field? We're like, that's the coach. <laughs> no, we were all just upset. That was the biggest thing about practices. We were just obsessed with Gus. All yeah. of it was. It's a totally different experience. Yeah, so. a little different from Heifel. But, um, yeah, I, I just I think that it, it, it's – cool too because and it's kind of like why I feel so weird because so many people in my age group became UCF fans you know in more recent years just because that's how it goes and for me it was like I really did grow up with UCF just because of you and it, I mean literally it's like I, I remember being a kid and going to games at the Citrus Bowl right I remember going to the first ever bounce house game I fell asleep during a rain delay. <laughs> yes, you did. You yeah. fell asleep during the game. And yeah, I literally went to sleep. They started playing. I'm just still asleep. It was great. Um, big game, guys. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it's been cool, and I hope someday I'll have a son or daughter who's a third generation knight, and we'll just keep it. But they have to go to USF first. They have to, they're just starting they USF first season at get USF. That, get that right? 12 later. Not at UCF. I'll be really nervous if UCF's like switching conferences or something that first year too. <laughs> like, like this is not a good sign. It's just crazy, just how how far. I mean, just sitting here on the 58th birthday of the university and just. The, the just going back to the, your the first your, your first UCF game and just where we are today in terms of potentially a twelve team playoff and UCF potentially being a perennial contender for that is just insane the growth that the school and the, the program has gone through and I mean my first game ever like your first game what year was it nineteen eighty two nineteen eighty two yours was I mean you were a child so it was in nineteen ninety eight ninety eight or ninety nine yeah, mine wasn't until, mine wasn't until two thousand sixteen yeah. and I became a student here and I I started following UCF in two thousand eleven. But I didn't get to go to a game in 2016. So just the difference between that and the growth that we're even still seeing is, is insane. And it's and you talk about, yeah, like UCF going undefeated. And you look at the other teams that have gone undefeated, period. And it's like, even Boise State started playing football, I mean, decades and decades and decades before UCF. I mean, it's such a young program. Like, you were there almost at the start of it. Right, and that was, I said, I at the time when uh, the Big East invited UCF to join and Boise State, I said, I was, I was probably the only person in the country who was excited you were Boise so State excited. And UCF were going to be in the same conference, the two teams I like. And I'm excited for the game this year. You know, I'm, obviously I'm going to be cheering for UCF, but I'm also excited about going to Boise. Yeah, this next game's year. been a long time, or two years, I think, right? Two years. I think it's just like two years. I can't remember. I think it's 2023. Yeah. Um, but it's but a long time. Because yeah. literally, the B, when the Big East was happening, which I was like 14 at that point, but I remember you were so excited that UCF and Boise State were going to be playing. Because they. The, the parallels between the two of them is very interesting because they both started out in lower divisions and moved up. Boise State had the, the initial success first with the Fiesta Bowl wins and, and just kind of rocketing to prominence and everything. And then UCF kind of did the same yeah. sort of thing. So 
Um, it's very interesting. I'd, I'd love to see them get back in the same conference together too. Hopefully, hopefully that's a yeah. thought. That can happen. When we talked about AAC expansion, it was just one of the thoughts that I had was that if they're going to do like a permanent crossover between divisions, I would love for it to be. I mean, as hard as the game as it would be every year, I'd love for it to be UCF Boise State just because of what game. that game would be for the conference. Yeah, like those are be, your two. Those are the two. I know that Cincinnati's like the quote unquote hot team right now. What did, that, what did that ESPN article say earlier? They're, they're the, I can't remember what they They're said. the main attraction. Yeah, they're the main attraction of the group of five. Cincinnati now. getting twice as much hype for losing the Peach Bowl as UCF did for winning it still <laughs> makes no sense, but whatever. But either way, I mean, UCF and Boise are the only teams with multiple near six wins. Yeah. They're the two brands of the group of five. I mean, it's beautiful. It even said in that article, they're near perfect season. Meanwhile, UCF had a perfect season and didn't get near the amount of credit. And it's UCF just... started, I think, what, 21st in the AP yeah. poll the next year? And Cincinnati's and be... like, it's like, will Cincinnati be 7th, 8th? We'll see. <laughs> It's really unreal, but um, Roger, we appreciate you taking us down memory lane. That was weird calling you Roger. I didn't know. I don't know. That's it's weird. Mr. Simmons. Mr. Yeah. Was, the hell? As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, I should have called him Mr. Simmons. But at least I didn't call you Dad. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and move into the news section here. And like we were talking about earlier, not a lot going on, I guess. And the stuff that is going on, nothing is uh, as nothing is on the field, of course. Um, but football, we have a little bit. Jacob Harris signed his rookie contract with the Rams. Uh, Brandon Marshall returned to campus on Wednesday to speak with the team, and it was cool to see um, how they kind of just rolled out the red carpet. And I love the way that Malzahn and his staff have been treating the former players. And if you saw, like, in the background, I don't know if they really showcased it a lot, um, but in the pictures and the videos, you could see, like, the main video board um, of the Wayne Dench Center. It's Wayne Dench Center, right? Yep. That's the one, yeah. And they had, like, the video board and said, like, welcome back, Brandon. They had, like, highlights of his career. Like, yeah, playing. I thought that was really Like, cool. that was super cool of them to do. And, and it was cool to see him back on campus. And, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was great to see that. And had the little clip that we got to see of him talking to the team was, was really cool, too. And uh, a big weekend coming up for recruiting. Uh, the Bounce House weekend. Uh, a lot of recruits and some big-time names on campus this weekend, including uh, 2022 five-star edge, Ed Rusher, Jeremiah Alexander. And just recently this week, we found out that 2023 five-star defensive lineman, the number two prospect in the 2023 class, Peter Woods, will also be on campus. So, I mean, what a time. What a time. We just talked about how far they've come. Now, in terms of recruiting, it's just at an all-time high. It's insane. Um, so, hopefully some, some news or some, some cool things come out of this weekend that we'll be able to talk about next week on the podcast. Um, and as we've referenced a couple times throughout this uh, episode, the College Football Playoff Working Group has officially proposed a 12-team playoff and the structure is a, a six highest-ranked conference champions and six at-large teams with the top four conference champions getting buys. Uh, the first-round games we played on, on campus, and they're still discussing, right, about the quarterfinal games potentially being on yeah, both sides. Yeah, the initial proposal was that they would be bowl games, and some fans are pushing back because they say that it's unfair that you get a buy, but then you don't get an on-campus playoff game. Yeah. So I see both sides of it. I think bowl games are cool, but most people disagree with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think regardless, it'll, it'll be really interesting. And, and Christian and I, I think we're going to discuss that more in-depth on next week's podcast. Yeah. And also, yeah, go back to our previous podcast where we talked about Yeah, we broke this all down. The only thing that we had, I mean, we literally nailed it. I mean, the only thing that we, because, you know, it was off reporting. We yeah. were just spitballing. The only thing that we had wrong was that they actually, and this is huge for the group of five, they, this format, it's the six highest ranked conference champions are automatically and not five power fives in a group of five. Yeah. So like, this past year, that means that there would have been two group of five champions, Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. That's crazy. Can't believe they're agreeing to that. But. <laughs> and it was cool, too, because during that podcast, we went through, like, the 8-team and the 12-team, yeah. and we were both agreeing that the 12-team 12 12 team. Like, team sounds like the best idea, and now they're looking to move forward with that. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and men's basketball, Johnny Dawkins added Mamadou Njai to his staff. He's a former Auburn and NBA forward and was most recently with the University of San Francisco as an associate coach. USF. 
Yeah, the, the other USF, or is that the, are we going to call that the, the real USF? That's the real USF. <laughs> University of San Francisco. They're the Dons, I think, or something like that. I think that's their mascot. I could not tell you. I hope I'm right. The um, I think you're right. <laughs> volleyball, they added a transfer, Claudia Dillon, to the roster. She was a middle blocker who played her first two collegiate seasons at Missouri. Um, baseball has 17 players headed out for summer ball with five sets of teammates playing together, including Josh Crouch and Tom Joson playing for the Sanford River Rats in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. Uh, men's soccer had Andres Hernandez named to the Cosita Academic All-District first team for the second straight year. And um, a lot of transfers this week um, for, for several teams. Women's soccer added a pair, uh, two goalkeepers, Brianna Wagoner from FAU, who uh, before that was at Oviedo High School, and Liza Pistoria, who was at Ole Miss previously. Men's tennis, uh, they were had three players named All-Americans. Um, Gabriel DeCamps for singles, and for doubles was Trey Hildebrand and Bogdan Pavel. And uh, more transfers, men's golf added Marcus Bradley as a transfer from Texas Tech. And they got another signee, Richard Dow, from Canada. And Johnny Treville um, played last weekend and failed to qualify for the U.S. Open Championship at Torrey Pines. Um, and women's golf, Alyssa Lamoureux missed the cut at the U.S. Women's Open last weekend as well. But still pretty cool uh, experience for her to be playing as an amateur and trying to qualify for the U.S. Women's Open. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the last little bit of UCF sports for 2021 or 2020-2021 season, uh, the NCAA championships for track and field are in Eugene, Oregon. Um, starting Thursday night, uh, Renaya Jones will start with the semifinals of the 100-meter hurdles, and on Saturday, Ashera Collins will compete in the triple jump uh, championships. And you're going to try to get through this one. Uh, 14 knights were named CRCA Scholar Athletes. That's a program best, and I'm trying to get through all of these names. Mia Cleary, Julie Polson, Lucy Derrick, Rusne Zagait, Maria Yim, Georgia Coyne, Abby Pritchard, Amy Van Ryn, Lauren Bench, An- Amberly Hotham, Ariane Johnson, Emily Kleisen, Emily Puya, and Lauren Roman. So congratulations, Sam. That's 14. You I don't pronounced know. Amy Annie. Did I? Yeah. Oh, You man. tried. It was loud. I was trying to get all of them right, and that's the one that, like, I <laughs> you, uh, you get through all these convoluted names in the scene, and you're like, Annie. Amy. Uh, well, <laughs> it happens. But, yeah, and I know last week I said the road ahead had a lot of sadness and despair in it, and I'm not going to say that every week, but it's kind of true. we have many weeks of we just do nothing, have, we do nothing going weeks. on now. But we have a new segment alert. And yes, we do. I have written on here sirens, but I don't think we're going to play actual sirens. But in, in, the stead, <laughs> in the stead of uh, uniform of the week, Christian's going to just go ahead and quiz me on uh, UCF football uniforms, and I'm not sure how this Yeah, is I was trying, because I talk with Bailey a lot, because I was trying to figure out what was going to replace uniform of the week, and I realized that I, so for those of you who don't know, I know everything about UCF's uniform, and that's not me bragging like I just legitimately <laughs> do. Like, if you ask me to recite... It's not bragging if it's a fact. If Yeah, like, if you ask me to recite every combo that they've worn in 2016 to present order, I could do it off the top of my head, no problem, down to the decal. <laughs> But I want to see what every father wants for this. <laughs> you, you look at me. You've just given me heavy sighs before. Like we're watching some UCF game, and like we're watching the Peach Bowl early in the pandemic, and you're just like, "This was a good combo," and I'm like, "Yeah, it was." I'm like, "But I'd love to see it with like the reverse UCF decal instead." <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for UCF. And just looking at me, like it just looked good, son. Well, like, I just I looked. Know. I just looked over when you said, "I know everything there is to know about UCF uniforms." I looked over at your dad, and he just had his head, like his hand, <laughs> his hand over his face, just like, "Oh no." So I figured but. you talk about a lot how we tr- – I can never gauge how much you know because you seem like you do, and then occasionally <laughs> you'll make comments like, oh, I don't remember a single thing they wore in 2020. Well, it was 2020. So season didn't you count. Went back and you, so first off, retroactively, because we did this last week, I think kind of as a joke, I asked you for the 2016 Tulane combo. I don't know where you knew it. Down to the decal. So, so I'm going to ask you another question here, and this is what we'll do from now on. I'm just going to ask you one. Unless you get it right really quickly, then we're going to – 
This is gonna make this could possibly make for a really bad podcasting. Just me sitting here like, um, yeah, but it's fun uh, for me. So. Mm, so like, I don't. You can't let me do that for too long. You're gonna have to just jump in immediately. And eventually. Dad, if you inexplicably know it, you can feel free to chime <laughs> in as well. So my first question is that in 2017, UCF began the space game tradition, right? And it was just a helmet back then. Yep. Right. Yep. What was the rest of the combo? They had the black jerseys uh, with the Pegasus, with the Pegasus sleeves. They sure did. And white pants they did ding 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 wow. I, like I know something what do you know mission patch they had a mission right. patch on their jerseys yep. oh i guess you got it wrong bailey let's oh. do that no you got the point for hey, that bailey i respect you more than you got it wrong <laughs> all right maybe and then i'm maybe. sad that i remember the mission patch. <laughs> which i said to you when we were talking about this earlier i said how sad like that shows how far the space games have come have come in 2017 we were like "Ooh, a mission yeah, patch oh, like so cool. wow it was like a little tr- was like a little, tri- it was it was a little triangular, triangular patch yeah, yeah. yeah. With like, was it the space shuttle or something? There was like a planet in there. I don't fully remember at this point. I thought it's you knew so everything long. about UCF uniforms. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a patch. It comes <laughs> off. Of um. All right. Well, let's let's try to up it a little bit. Oh, all God. right. So my one of my favorite UCF combos ever. You look nervous. Actually. I am nervous. <laughs> he looks, like, I've been nervous about arms. this all day. One of my favorite UCF combos ever is their blackout look with the reverse or the white UCF decal and the white UCF sword stripe down the middle. So it's all white with the big white numbers. It's just it's an all black and white look. It's one of my favorite combos ever. Yeah. What game did they, what game, game did they wear that for, Bailey? Um. Yeah, I don't think I know this one. No. What if I give you um, the year? Okay, give me the year. Twenty eighteen. <sighs> I think I know. Do you? You can jump in. Twenty eighteen. Was it Cincinnati? Nope. Oh. Okay. Twenty eighteen. I respect myself. Um, more. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um. Wow. I don't know. It was FAU. Oh. Eh. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think I would have remembered it. I don't know. For All some right. reason, was my first a, thought was SMU, but that was the gold pants game, wasn't it? SMU. Yeah, SMU. Yeah, was so that that's no, what. 2018. Was that an away game? No, it was a home game. It was a home game. All right, mm-hmm. I remember. Was, a, was that a Thursday night game or Friday night game? It was one of them. It was, it was one. Of it was a weekend game. Yeah, yeah. it was one of those. I think games. it was a Friday night. All right, I'll give you a chance to finish uh, above 500 because you're at one and one for the day, okay. and then we'll wrap it up. So, UCF has four base jerseys. Right. All the Pegasus jerseys, the Pegasus on the sleeves. We're not counting, you know, the. The Nighthead head. jerseys, the Nighthead jerseys, thank you. What of those four, only one of them does not have a gold outline around the numbers, or gold trim around the numbers. Which one is it? Hold on, hold on. The black one. No, black does. It was oh. the other side. Sorry, was, you finished one and two. I was going to say the other side. <laughs> I almost said the other side. And that's even worse because I just bought a black jersey like two weeks ago. So you should. And I literally well, was looking at it earlier. Oh, that was, that's tough. Well, in our new uniform segment, Bailey is off to a one and two start. I'm two and two. You're two and two, counting to lane. Yes. So that's fine. So I'm two and that's two. A good, that's a good point to leave for next week. Eh, it's fine, <laughs> I guess. Whatever. Um, now we're ending this on a bad note. But again, thank you to Mr. Simmons for joining us um, and giving us a glimpse inside some, some great stories uh, from early UCF and just... We, Christian, I said earlier, I was, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of fitting that we're doing this on, like, 58th birthday of UCF. And he's like, yeah, we did that on purpose. And I was like, oh, did we? Like, I didn't know that. And Christian was like, no, but it sounds good if we say that. <laughs> well, now so, you ruined the illusion. Well, yeah, but it, it's more funny this way. This is true. Because um, that's what you come to this podcast for is the humor. Um, <laughs> but again, thank you guys for listening so much. We'll be back next week with episode 22, which will include some more in-depth, in-depth discussion about the college football playoff expansion plan as well as some recruiting talk possibly after uh, Bounce House weekend. But until next week, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, at Roger Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.